Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay. Harvesting you, nourishing mama joy. It's time to harvest you. Let's nourish our mama joy by living big and loving bigger. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Teresa. And in this episode, we're talking about our silent struggles. Let's get started and harvest you. Welcome to our podcast. The Carpenter's Notebook by Mark Clement. Two years after his father's death, Brendan is staring down the barrel of a divorce. He leaves his daughters in collapsing marriage to fulfill a promise his father made to his mother. And he discovers the answers he wasn't looking for that end up helping him with his own life. I reach for my tape more like a gunslinger going for a six-shooter rather than a timid, albeit middle-aged, apprentice afraid to do the wrong thing. Dean Johnson, co-host of Home Time, says home improvement is a thread that runs through many of our lives. Mark has woven it into a very rich and unique story. Brett Witter, publisher of Chicken Soup for the Soul, says a wonderful book about building both houses and relationships that is wise, touching, and as satisfying as a hard day's work well done. Like Chicken Soup for the Soul, it shows us that great wisdom is built from the material of everyday life. Check out The Carpenter's Notebook by Mark Clement on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at bookstores nationwide our silent struggles um, silent struggles that we as mamas deal with whether it be a medical issue mm. something our children may deal with that doesn't look like a physical disability but is a disability it's kind of that saying, don't judge a book by its cover. And yeah. I think this is a very important topic that you and I can both relate to from completely different avenues. So why don't we start with you, Teresa, and you give our audience um, kind of like a backstage view <laughs> of your medical journey as a mama and what that's been like for you to try to take care of yourself and your family. Well, it's it's been a very interesting rocky roller coaster road over the years and just today driving my son to school on the way home and I'm going to cry. I stopped breathing and I had to pull over and then had to try to start breathing again. And um I have a disease it's called mast cell disease. And so I have allergic random reactions to things. So I have to carry an EpiPen. And my doctor tells me, don't go anywhere without your EpiPen. I didn't need it this morning because I was able to start breathing again. It was, you know, it felt like an eternity. When you don't, when I can't breathe, it's just, it feels like it's lasting forever. But I think it was like 20 seconds, maybe. And then I was able to get a little bit of air in. And I was able to take a sip of water and that helped. And I used my inhaler and that helped. But it's it's upsetting to go through that, and it's upsetting to go through that and be a mom. Scary. And thank goodness I was alone, but my kid was in the car just five minutes beforehand. And then coming home, my husband was home, and 
having to tell him because I can't keep that thing from him was really hard. It's really hard to have to admit that I am that sick. It's hard to have to say, you know what, I had a problem. Because my husband's reaction is, you can't drive him to school now. He was scared. He was very scared. And I agreed that I won't drive him to school for the rest of this week. And I see my doctor at the end of the week. So I will talk to him about it. But I know my doctor is going to say, did you have your EpiPen? Did you need to use your EpiPen? And then it's like, okay. Because there really isn't any, there's no cure for mast cell disease. Can you give our audience a little more um, information on what that is? Well, it's a rare disease. And the way that I present with it, there's only like 10,000 people that have it the way I have it. Um, And it's having allergic reactions to things, but then not being able to stop having an allergic reaction. So it's like, you know, you keep spinning in a, in a, like spinning, 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 and it keeps getting worse and it keeps getting worse and it gets out of control. And one way it's been described to me is it's kind of, it's like cancer where there are cells that are growing that shouldn't be there that take over. But unlike cancer, they do eventually go away. Okay. But in order for them to go away, I usually have to take a lot of steroids, take a lot of medicine, so I can get basically my mast cells to shut up. Because I could have a reaction to something, and then I can continue having a reaction for weeks. And that stimulus is long gone. So unlike like an allergy, you know, grass pollen, whatever it is, tree pollen, seasonal allergies, that you have the stimulus, and once you get away from it and you take a Benadryl, it goes away. That doesn't happen for me. And the inflammation and the reaction are just so, it's such a weird thing. Like I get foot drop, I get sudden hearing loss. Like I will just like fall to the ground sometimes because like my leg will, the inflammation happens and then I can't, I can't keep my leg, I can't keep balance anymore. So your body goes into like fight or flight mode, but isn't sure what to do to yeah. overcompensate for what's shutting down or not working. Yeah, it just over, it just totally overreacts. It is the most overreacting thing. And it's very frustrating because there's no medicine for it. They There's no medicine for it because for a pharmaceutical company, there's no payback for spending time on so few people, you know, where yeah. there are not enough of us to buy the drugs. That's terrible. So the doctors just sort of experiment with drugs that are made for other diseases to see if they work on us. So how does that, okay, so you have this physical disease that you maintain daily and you don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. Mm. How does that mentally impact you from getting through your day? So this morning you had this reaction, Mm. and here we are now when my first thought was, wait, do you want to reschedule? Do you need a time out? It seems to me as though you found a way to, um, to cope with this. If maybe you can, you want to share a little bit how yeah. how have you managed to cope with it? Because I remember a number of years ago you were bedridden, 
and you couldn't leave the house. I mean, you were allergic to grass. Like one thing would set you off. And then, like you said, then all of a sudden it was like then something else was set off yeah. and something else was set off and something else was set off. So yeah. what type of coping mechanisms have you done or created or found yourself kind of doing to continue with your day? Well, it's been a journey of learning, a lot of experimenting because I can only eat like, there was a time when I can only eat like five things and not like five different meals. I'm talking like I could eat bananas, I could eat green juice, I could eat, I mean, there was just like, I couldn't, I could eat pureed pumpkin. Like there was only a couple things that I could actually eat without having a reaction. So having to make accommodations to eating, to going places, to just being standing upright. I have orthostatic hypotension from it. You know, like I can, I get dizzy, I faint sometimes. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that I have to manage, but I figured out how to do it. And it's hard. It's really hard to, it's like packing, you know, having a newborn and you have to pack that bag every time you leave the house. Because if you don't have the diapers, if you don't have the wipes, if you don't have the bottle, if you don't have like the pacifier or the special toy, oh my gosh, it's a disaster. Well, that's me. I have a little bag of these are my emergency things and I carry with them, I carry with them with me everywhere I go. So emergency medicine, emergency stuff, just like some food because like if I end up having to go to the hospital I can't eat anything at the hospital so I need to have I need to always be prepared to be at the hospital at any minute because if I if I have a if I get a fever if I get if I start throwing up I have to go to the hospital because I don't stop okay it just doesn't end it's like extreme food poisoning so I have to, I have nausea pills that I take regularly because I get nauseous for various reasons. It can be fluorescent lighting. It could be like burning butter. That smell makes yeah. me like, and then I start reacting to it and it just goes crazy. So what I try to do is make the stimulus as stimulus that happens that I know is going to happen, what I can control as small as possible. I talk about like it's a bucket. So I make sure my bucket is as empty as possible every day. So when the surprise happens, my bucket is ready to take on that stimulus that can happen. Like walking by someone's yard when they're mowing the grass. No, that's it. I can't do it. I I will have a major problem. And you may not even know it's coming because you went for a walk. Yeah. And, okay. So I can't like have earbuds in really loud or anything because I need to be alert to lawn equipment. So sure. there, there's lawn equipment on a block. I turn around and go in the other direction. Then if there's lawn equipment over there, I have to turn and go in the other direction. So it's, it's like, you know, Pac-Man kind of thing. But yeah. I mean, it's what I have to do. But with the pandemic and wearing masks... Now, I used to wear a mask sometimes because of this, and now I can carry one with me and wear one, and it's not weird anymore. Yeah. 
people in the mass cell community, like I've heard other people say, oh, now everyone knows what it's like to be us ah. because they're wearing masks like us. And it used to be so odd to see someone, see someone wearing a mask. Yeah. And I always have an N95 in my car. I have for years okay. in case yeah. there is something that is going that I'm going to breathe in that's going to cause an anaphylactic reaction. So... I mean, I was like prepared for the pandemic because I have been bedridden. I have been like stuck at home sure. and couldn't go anywhere. So when everybody else was having to be stuck at home and wearing masks and everything, I was like, ah, welcome to my world. <laughs> Do you find that it's important to tell people that you're around in your, in your life that you have this disease and it's important for them to know these are the signs. This is what could happen. Do you wear a bracelet? Do you have something on your phone that's an emergency cue that talks about what you have? I have that thing on my phone where it's like the emergency information. Right. I don't have a bracelet. And I've looked into that a few times. But i not in a place where I think I need one yet. Okay. I think I will need one probably eventually if I get worse or when I get worse. A bracelet. But... You know, that that's a whole nother thing. Like, what do you put on the bracelet? Not everyone's Call heard of mast cell disease. Right. And there is a protocol to follow for someone like me at the hospital where not every hospital knows how to do it in the ER. Now, the hospital I go to, they do know because one of the few doctors in our area who treats me works there. So the ER knows about us because he treats patients who go there regularly. So they know what to do with us. And all I have to do is say, when I walk up, I say, I have mast cell disease and I'm having a reaction. And they're like, come in. It's like they don't, they don't need to have a whole long dialogue. But in other places around the country, a lot of people that have this, they don't know what to do with us because it's you can't really see it all the time. Sometimes, like... A lot of times you get like um, rashes all over your body or something like that that's visible or you're throwing up or something that's really obvious. But other times like I can, like my arm has just stopped working where it's just stuck in a position for hours and I can't move it. I remember it happened once and I said to my husband, I can't move my arm. And he's like, oh, you're joking. I'm like, I can't move my arm. And he came over to me and he tried to move it. And he it was like, Wow. And he was like, oh, <laughs> that really freaked him out. Sure. Because that's not normal. Otherwise, I was completely fine. But uh, all of a sudden, I had inflammation in my arm. And then it was like. And you're also allergic to a lot of things. Yes. Which is important to go to the hospital where they know you. And you also have a functional medicine doctor. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really important, especially as a mama, to understand you always have other options. You don't have yeah. to always just see your primary. You, you, There are so many other options. Functional doctors are amazing. Functional doctors are expensive, though. Yes. So they're worth the money if you are a sick person 
or have a sick person in your life who's not getting the treatment that you feel that they need that to, in order to thrive. It is worth the money. It's worth it in spades. You'll save the money from seeing all the other specialists a million times over and the ER visits and all of that and the medicine, the prescriptions that they give you for just randomly trying to treat what they think they, you might have. Save it in spades by going to a functional doctor. And a functional doctor is a holistic doctor that does do traditional medicine, but they also do non-traditional like Western medicine. So like my doctor, he will talk about nutrition and he will do supplements. And um, he also does other kinds of treatments like with, um, oh, what's the, the needles? The... Um, Acupuncture. Acupuncture. He does all those kinds of things too. And then functional food. So like I have malabsorption issues. And when I first started seeing functional doctors, I was so sick. I was only being able to eat a couple of foods. And I had a really bad case of thrush that was lingering for like nine months. And the traditional doctors gave me all the different medicines that they give for that. And thrush is something that babies get and old people get, not like people that... Oh, my husband had it. It was horrible. It is horrible. Horrible. It is, and it burns. It's just, it's just awful. And I had it for like nine months. And I was sick with all these other things too. And in order to get rid of that, the functional doctor said, okay, no sugar, no carbs, and take this other, this other um, herbal thing. Yeah. And so at the time... I was able to eat bananas, pumpkin, like I remember, and I could, like and I had to get rid of bananas, few. pumpkin. I had green oh. juice left, and I had, I don't remember if there was something else I could eat. So no natural sugars, no natural sugars, no carbs at all, no caffeine, no nothing with bubbles, just like any like, I was juicing my own stuff so I could take that in but then I had to also use functional food which is like prescription powdered food okay and then um she taught me how to gave me a recipe for making mineral broth which is a vegan version of bone broth so I would make that broth and that broth was so good I love that um it you know it takes like four hours to make oh, on the wow. stove, and the yeah. house smells like onions and garlic and vegetables, and it's just so good. But after a few months, I felt better, and it went away. So that really helped me. It like put your reset, yeah. right? And then could you from then start adding those bananas back in? No, no. I was still very sick, and then it took me. So that doctor was a couple hours from here, and it wasn't logistically like. You know, for me to go there all the time. So I found another functional doctor nearby. And when I started seeing him, he did a lot of analysis and stuff on me. And, you know, you have to, like, send your poo away and do all this stuff. (laughs) And he, like, all that stuff. I know. It's like, (laughs) but but it's one of the things you have to do. Yeah. So it's like, figure out what's going on with your body. Take blood. You take all the stuff and look at it all. And he was like... Okay, basically, and he said to me, basically, all of your non-essential functions are shutting down. And I had Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. I had, um, yeah, I had, um, um, what is the the one that goes with mono? The, um, it's a virus. 
Epstein-Barr virus. Okay. And he's like, your Epstein-Barr virus is so high that we don't know how high it is because it only goes up to this level. And, and yours beyond is beyond that. that. So it's like really bad. Oh, boy. And he listed all these things. He's like, all of these things are, are just shutting down on you. And you're just so malnourished. And mm. all the bad bacteria uh. is so high. You don't have any good bacteria in your gut anymore. And, you know, I was taking probiotics. And he's like, the probiotics go in. They're like driving around the neighborhood trying to find a parking spot, but they can't because all the back bacteria are like, we're moved in and we're going to live here forever. So he's like, you got to keep taking it because it helps you while they're driving around, but they're not going to stay and like repopulate. Got to get rid of the bad bacteria. So it was a list of things that were wrong with me. And I was so, so, so sick. He started me with different supplements, more kinds of like powdered foods and IVs. So I started doing IVs once a week and it helped eventually. But at first it felt like I had gotten dragged behind a train. Wow. And he said it was because I was so malnourished and in so much need of this that it was just so hard for my body to take on all of these vitamins. Sure. So that's what I was going to ask. What is in the IV? Because I've heard of IV. You can go to a place and get like a vitamin C IV or a a booster kind of. So what is in your IV? Well, mine is like a Myers cocktails, what they call it, with some extra stuff in it that he puts in. I don't even know that all the extra stuff that he puts in it, a special formula for me and for what my issues are. But the Myers one is pretty standard for if you go anywhere to get and you know one of those vitamin c ivs is what they give you okay and sometimes they give you a glutathione like booster or they put it in the iv which is really good because that helps your liver process any of the stuff the goo the virus you know like cleans you out cleans you out helps your liver like you know so your liver isn't working so super hard trying to clean everything out it supports it so Yeah, I was getting those like once a week and they did help me and I still go back and get them periodically and they do help me. Yeah, and and I avoid it. See, that's the thing is like, I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need it. And then just like that. And he's in like the last time I and I got I was sick. I had an upper respiratory infection and I was sick and I was sick and I was sick. And then finally I called him and I went in and I got the IV and he said to me, you're dehydrated like, you're so depleted. You should have come in last week. Why did you wait a whole week? And yeah, I was like... You thought you were okay. Yeah. I it's just like the okay. whole conversation before about, like, practicing the same mindfulness every day, meditation, yes. journaling, whatever it keeps yeah. us on our path. It's super, super important when it comes to our health and nutrition. Yes, it is important. And I have to say the functional... Like, he's been just so wonderful to have as part of my medical like my medical team and I have seen every kind of doctor you can like name over the years so having him as part of that because he also supports medical marijuana and he also supports like other alternative things that that I have totally benefited from so like one thing that I take is um, low dose naltraxine and naltraxine is something that they give like people who are addicted to heroin and other kinds of like hard drugs because it makes your body not be able to have those good feelings it like so even if you use you're not going to get high or get that good feeling off of it if you're a drug user 
So I take it at night so that my, and what it does is it, like I take it in a low, low dose so that it suppresses that for like four or five hours so that my body, it builds it up. So my body is like, why is this not working? Why are we like, you know, and then all the dopamine stuff can like surge and then it can like, you know, be greater. It be, is greater. And I've experimented with it and not taken it for a couple of days. And boy, did I feel so much more pain. Now I have wow. pain all over my body every day. So anything I can do that helps with that is yeah. just so wonderful because pain stinks. It's distracting. It's overwhelming. And you can't be your best when you are like internally focused and internally distracted you can't be externally open. No. You can't be externally helpful. You can't be like a supportive, you know, mom. You can't be a good friend. You, you can't absorb new information. No. It's so hard when being in excruciating pain all the time. And you said that you do a lot of yoga too. Do yeah. You, have you found that really helps support your, yeah. you know, your body? Stretching, does that make you feel better? Yes, I think I think yoga and walking and movement is really, really, really important because I get inflammation all over the place and having my joints be, you know, having being limber enough and being able to move because I do have occasions when I have a reaction to something and I can't. And I have to restart trying to walk around the block again. I mm. have to restart being yeah. able. And this has happened so many times where I'm like, oh, I was running again. Mm. Now I have to try to walk around the block again. So it's like you peak and then you feel like you're starting all start over. Start all over again. And it's like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to get back there. But you keep going. And I keep trying yeah. because the healthier I am when something happens, the easier it is to go through it. So I'm preparing myself always for that next thing. So I'm in a better place. I'm My body is prepared for that extra burden, that extra reaction that's going to happen that I can't control. Sure. So being prepared is like the most important thing when you're dealing with any kind of debilitating disease or situation because you can't control what's going to happen next life is full of surprises and speaking our silent struggles i can't express more how important that is because it not only helps you and your mon mental mindset it helps others learn how to support you yeah because if they don't completely understand what's going on with you, you may seem like you're just shutting them out or you're, you're, you're blocking yourself, right? All these things mm -hmm. that we can assume on other people where we don't really know what's going on in other people's worlds and bodies. And I, I always felt it was so important to talk about it. And, you know, we can get into that when I tell you my daughter's silent struggles. Yeah, why don't we take a break and we will come back and we will talk about that. So keep listening and we'll be back in just a minute with more Harvesting You.
This podcast is sponsored by A2D, Addicted to Dance Company. Check us out on the web, a2dance.com. We're growing foundation, giving back to our community, and changing lives is our mission. Talked about um, silent struggles and to sum up a mama's silent struggle, Teresa and her illness and how it affects her, your everyday life and affects your family and your friends and the importance. Uh, I, I feel it's important to let people know so they're aware. And I think It's m- hard, though. It it's, is hard. And it's hard to know when to tell people to because it's not, it's not an easy subject to bring up, especially if it's someone new that's in your life. But if it's someone new that's in my life that is going to be in my life a lot, it's important to talk about it. Because how upsetting will it be for that other person if I have a reaction in front of them and they have no idea what's going on or did not expect it at all? An ambulance will be at my house or be wherever it is like because, you know, someone could completely freak out and overreact where I know that I just need to do X, Y, and Z and I'll be fine. Right. Cause I will faint and I will fall down and I will have a problem. It's okay. Yeah. I'll get through it. And for mamas who do struggle with medical illnesses and underlying things, having a support system is important for you mentally, yeah. physically having, um, arrangements like how you carry your things with you is super important that's your number one and really doing other things to feed your soul because you still want to find your joy and harvest that joy even when you're sick and that's important to me too it's like I always make sure there are you know books on my phone so that if I do end up in the hospital, there is something for me to take my mind off of it. Or if I'm having some trouble, I have a little playlist on my YouTube, like so that I can things that make that I know are funny to me. Mm-hmm. So I'll revisit funny things just to make just to lift me up when I'm having a problem. And one of them is the comedian Brian Regan. Do you know him? Yes. He has a whole thing about going to take himself to the emergency room. Okay. So funny. You know, he's he's describing like having, um, you know, food poisoning, like severe food poisoning and having to drive to the hospital and saying, you know, like, oh, no, I'm not in a hurry. Just, you know, get in front of me. You know, as he's driving down. And then he gets to the hospital, and he has to, like, there's no valet. He has to park his car, so he's driving around the parking garage, and he's, like, slowly dying. Oh, Uh, And it's so funny because I can so relate to it, and it puts it in a different different way. Yes, it's, uh, you know, upsetting that whole circumstance, but... um, but it does make me happy. So having those things and having them ready, yeah. just like having medication ready. Or having that labor and delivery bag. Yeah. It's a, we have always had a bag yeah. that is an emergency room bag with all the things. Now, you have a different situation. It's not you that has the emergency. It's your daughter. Yes. And that's a, 
that to me is more difficult to manage than it is me being the one because if my child was sick like I am there's a certain less control I have over it less knowing of things popping up like I can't feel hit all of the feelings and all the se- like sense everything I can, I can sort of do it but I can't always and with me I can know like I can feel it so right. it seems harder like a harder situation to have to manage your child's health situation so Ava's health is definitely a part-time job I will say that between the paperwork, doctor's appointments, and then there's times where we're good for a while and then we'll have a growth spurt and everything has to stop, restart, reset, recalibrate her meds. And with Ava, she was born um, healthy and 14 days in, day 12, day 13, I I took her to the doctor, took her to the doctor. Something is wrong. This isn't my first go around I had just had my son and she just did not look right and the doctor looked at me and said I'm gonna go with my mama got here you need to go to the emergency room yeah so they were tested Ava for a multitude of things and they really thought she had meningitis so they gave her a spinal tap she's and how old was she 14 days old she had a spinal tap and she was two weeks two weeks old her dad my husband looked at me and said Leave the room. So you have a postpartum mom. I have an 18-month-old at home. And he said, leave the room. There's no way you're going to be able to do this right now. And that was the first time I had ever been physically brought to my knees. And I can remember being at the hospital. And getting there was was a little complicated. My, uh, my best friend ended up walking out of work because I had nothing. I ran to the doctors that was around the corner again. So I didn't have all the things with me. Mm-hmm. And nursing was not going well with Ava. And it went so well with Chase. So there was all these like self, like what am I doing wrong? Why isn't my body working for me? Why? When we were at the hospital, I can remember one nurse looked at me and said, listen, it's okay. She just need, it's okay, mom. Like you don't have to be providing you can give her a bottle too so we were like doing both you know long story short Ava at 18 months old then had a febrile seizure turned blue Mm. and we were on vacation and my husband ran to the beach we were we had a house on the beach I know I'm telling the story a little backwards and we were running a house and we were there with friends and he comes running with her lifeless body, screaming to the lifeguard, mm. I need I need help, I need help. And I stand up, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, mm. like, I, I thought, like, it was a really bad joke. And oh, because your husband is kind of a jokester. Yeah. So I can see that, yeah. So I'm like, what is happening? And I'm sitting on the beach with my son and my girlfriend, her husband, my, my nephew, and... He's like, he hands me her, and she's completely lifeless, and he's screaming. And uh, my girlfriend's calling 911, and a man comes over to me, and he says, I'm an off-duty 
officer, and I have oxygen in my car. Hand me your baby. And I didn't even think twice. And I handed him her, and he ran as fast as he could to his car. He was an angel on the beach that day. Oh, my God. And put oxygen on her. In the meantime, you know, the ambulance came. So long story, very long couple of years of nothing, but Ava was sick all the time. Yeah. She was on antibiotics twice a month, every month. She was always on pregnizone. She had pneumonia eight to 12 times. I've lost count. Upper, bronchi- upper bronchial infections, respiratory infections, sinusitis, sinus infection, all these things. Well, when we were eight, she was eight years old. We go to Florida on vacation and Ava catches the flu. And Ava ends up in Children's Hospital in Florida. Ava was so sick, she kept going into respiratory distress and would have to be rushed back to emergency room. Now, something I forgot to say earlier is Ava has asthma. She's always been a chronic asthma kid, and they always thought, treat the asthma, treat the asthma, treat the asthma. Well, after this this huge episode in Florida, we couldn't even fly back on a plane because that's how they didn't want her lungs to be up on a plane. I had to see a lung doctor there to say it's okay for her to leave and then drive home. We drove home and her doctor was like, something bigger is going on here. She's eight. She should be thriving. Well, Eva has a primary immune deficiency disease and Eva's body does not make antibodies. So her PI is specifically called predominant anti-defect, which means, you know, we have these titers. Mm-hmm. And Ava only has a few, and the few that she does have malfunction. They're they're dysfunctional. They don't work. Mm-hmm. So she's not making all the antibodies that a normal body should be making, and the few that she does make, they don't work, or they're not doing their job. So she's got no fighter pilots, is how yeah. I like to describe it. And what Ava needs is plasma. Plasma is found in our blood. It makes up 55% of our blood. So Ava receives plasma infusions. We're back to every seven days right now. And we're in year three. And plasma has changed her life. And I am so grateful for the science behind this. I am so grateful that plasma is a thing. Because if not... I'm not sure where Ava would have ended up because we had so many close calls of they were going to, you know, stick a tube down her down yeah. in her throat. And, and like, there were so many trips where it was like, wait, 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 wait. Like, so, someone's missing something. And just recently, Ava's grown. She's grown a ton. She's a preteen. She's going to be 12 years old. That is awesome. And she's thriving. Yeah. And the hormones and, uh, like, all the things, right? But here's the thing about Ava Mamas. She looks completely normal. Ava's primary immune deficiency is considered a disability. So Ava has this underlying issue that kind of affects her body. And on top of that, then she has because of her primary immune deficiency, kind of like how you were saying your mast cell sets the next thing off, sets yeah. the next thing off. She has AMPS, which stands for Amplified Muscular Skeletal Pain Syndrome. And that is kind of neurological sending her body 
different messages saying, your foot's broke. Yeah. Like it's broke right now and you can't walk. And she physically feels that pain. Yeah. So we've had a lot of therapy, a lot of different kinds of therapies. Art therapy has been great. Um, she loves that. Right now, when when it comes to the plasma, the bigger she gets, the more the more grams she needs. So we were just upped. And with more grams means more needles mm-hmm. and means more time. And you know, Ava has become such such a strong little girl that on one hand, it's so nice to see her blossom and thrive. But on the other hand, as her caregiver and her mama, it's completely heartbreaking and earth shattering. A primary immune deficiency disease is said to have been passed down in bloodlines. Oh. That's not a thing. Oh. So it kind of just came out of nowhere. And with Ava, you know, mamas, if you are having, I, my gut was like, something is wrong. Yeah. And the doctor came in the next day at, when she was 14 days old. And she said to me, your daughter would not have woken up tomorrow morning. She would have drowned in her own mucus because that's how much mucus was settling. Because babies, infants, they can't go. <clears throat> oh, yeah. They can't clear. They can't blow their nose. They don't know how to move that. Yeah. And Ava had an infection that had grown into RSV. And as an infant, that can be deadly. So, so many, so many things when it comes to being a caregiver. But it's, an, it's also another part of my path and journey that I've become an advocate for health and wellness. I've learned to become an advocate for Ava. I have stood in the hallway with five doctors and them telling me what's wrong with my daughter and me telling them, no, no. Because if there's anyone that knows your kid best, especially if you have a kid that's been through medical, it's you. Yeah. It's you as a mom. And what became frustrating for me was that her doctors weren't talking to each other, right? There's like this network Oh, thing. yeah. The doctors, they don't typically talk to each other. And if so they do, it's like on paper and it's not the full story. So they miss things. And, yep. and no doctor, no regular medical doctor will look at everything. They, Most of them just look at their thing. Right. Like and, whatever that's In isolation. Specific. Yes. But you're a whole person. Yeah. And everything's connected. So isolating things does not work for someone who has an all over situation to yeah and we're all it's all connected somewhere right like everything's connected somehow to our heart and somehow like we need that to live we need a kidney to live like everything is so connected it's just it blew my mind for so many years so I started to ask for copies of everything so I have a pile from you know her infancy up till now and I'm very educated on Ava her body how she works I can see when when it's becoming a havoc on her mental health and then we do something about it Ava's been through therapy all kinds of therapies but you know at the end of the day you look at her 
And you would never know. No. So now we're coming into the age of preteen. Like, I remember what it was like to be 12. And girls are mean. And Ava's had the kickback of, oh, she fakes her illnesses. Oh, I was going to ask you, how does she deal? How does the friend thing? And, like, does she have a couple of friends who understand? Yes. So, uh, again, I feel like being open is so important. And it taught Ava it was okay for her to talk about it. And everybody knows about it. I mean, I, I kind of pushed it when she was younger as far as I made a website. I started to advocate for people. I didn't have anybody... There was no no one I could relate to. So I, too, had to find a group, and we found the Immune Deficiency Foundation that's based out of Maryland. Mm-hmm. And we went to one of their conferences, my husband, my son, Ava, and Ava was like, oh, my gosh, there's so many people like me. <laughs> and my husband's like, there's so many dads like me. And I'm like, there's so many. And my son's like, there's so many siblings yeah. like me. So it was really important for the family unit to, like, get a grip because attention, good or bad, is attention. So there was some struggle there with the siblings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now it's – Ava has a bigger purpose in life. And for whatever reason, she's meant to go through this for that purpose. Yeah. And she understands everything about her body. She sticks her own needles in. She has since she was eight years old. It's a control thing. That's fine. She's very, she helps put her IgG together sometimes because she she needs to know how to do it. So my advice for any mama out there that has a child that has a medical condition, Ava has to take inhalers every morning and every night. And if she doesn't take them at this point, you know, my husband and I are like, you're responsible for this. You do this 365 days a year since you were two. <laughs> this is a huge responsibility. Here's your med box. It sits out so we can't, like, take yeah. your med. And there are weekends where I'm like, Ava, you woke up. Did you take your meds? And she'll just look at me, and I'm like, oh, Sweet Jesus. Because she's also a preteener who yes. forgets things and starts right. thinking about, Absolutely. like, you know, watching something on her, you know, on a device or thinking about a friend, friend or yeah. whatever the distraction is. She still is her age. And so, you know, yeah, even even life threatening, important things can, you know, get in the way, get lost in a preteen's mind. Yes. And this is, you know, this is the short story. There are so many in between moments and having a supportive community is super important. And we did not have. We did not have family that was rushing in. And that was so frustrating. And I shouldn't say all the time. There were times in my daughter's younger years that some would show up. But it was after being asked and asked. And and it's like, really right now? Like, can someone throw me a bone here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super frustrating, especially if you know you would show up if that person needed something. Well, yeah, and and I'm working, and I'm running a business, and I have a toddler, and, you know, I have laundry that's piled up, and, you know. (laughs) 
my my mom used to come and and help sometimes when I was really sick and we didn't know why or what and she would always say I will help, but I'm not doing any laundry or washing dishes. Because <laughs> those are not, it's not critical uh, that all the dishes are clean. It's right. not critical that all the laundry is done. The laundry can pile up. I don't want right. to do it. But I will do anything else. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that was fine. Yeah. 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 I respect that. You know, she's, she's done, she's done a lot of momming in her life. Yes. And, you know, that was, that was she, great. She had a line. She had a line. She that was it. Line. I don't want to. Yeah. Know. Housekeeping wasn't her thing. Right. She's she's like, I, I did that. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but it is hard to not have any family or anybody show up and help. And there are a lot of people who just don't have, you know, yeah. any support going through something when they can't see the physical evidence of the situation. They haven't seen That's the illness. Very they hard. haven't seen yes. You know, you're not walking with a limp. You don't yep. have a scar on your face. You don't, you're not wearing a cast. Like there isn't a, there isn't physical evidence. It's hard for some people to understand. And I've experienced that with friends who thought that I was just being quirky for a while with being allergic to food and not, and I can't drink alcohol. I haven't been able to drink alcohol in like four years but that I was just being quirky, that I wasn't drinking, and that, you know, I was just being a little, eh, whatever. Right. Difficult or um, trying to be unique or mm -hmm. whatever the thing is, just brushing it off. And it's a real thing. Like, if I ate the food or drank the, you know, whatever it is that everyone else is having, I will have to go to the hospital. Right. So it's not like I'm making it up, but it's hard to see if, if you look not sick, if you yeah. don't look disheveled and you don't look like, you know, a complete mess. And right. then people then understand. People care. Then yeah. people pick up the phone and call. Yes. And that's an interesting, yeah, that is so true. And what comes with that is, so, you know, you've had this for how many years? Oh, like it being a like, like yes. giant signal in my life where I can't do anything every day without it being like with me. Um, at least 10 years. Now, do you have people in your network and your support that are constantly like, hey, how are you? How are you, how are you feeling today? I do have some people who do that for That's me. That's great. Yeah. And usually those people have something else in their lives that's like Relatable. Similar relatable okay who have something or have gone through something or have a close relative who has had something in order to understand it because it's hard to not yes it's really hard and i'll n never forget my my mother-in-law died 10 years ago from pancreatic cancer and a few years before that my sister-in-law was dying from melanoma and I went and I lived with my brother's family for like four months, you know, while, you know, in her last four months and helping with the kids and everything. And my mother-in-law came and visited and I saw her during that time. And she said to me, what are you going to do after it's all over? And I remember just that hurting so much because I'm like, like, I'm here to help make it be as long as possible. I don't want to. And then when she was sick with cancer in hospice, and she said to me, I never knew what it was like to be a sick person until now. She was never sick before then. 
And she said she never knew what her friends were really going through. And she said she would call and check up and say, get well and send cards. But until she got really sick, she had no idea what it was like to be all the way in that. And I think that is not, I don't, I don't like fault people for not understanding I think that it's wonderful if they can't understand because that means that they haven't had to go through it yet. Mm-hmm. And how how like gorgeous that is to be in that other world of not having the anguish, terror and frustration and like sorrow and all that just all those emotions that come with it. But so it's OK. Like I, I get I don't. I this don't, is... like, get mad at anyone if they don't understand. If they don't, I'm just, like, take a, I take a breath and I try to just sort of say what the minimum, kind of, you know, right. to just so let them know that it really is a real thing and I'm going through it and it's okay and don't worry about me. I can, I can eat my own food. I brought something. Right. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's a club that you didn't ask to be in but when you're in it you get it yeah and as much as my friends could think they knew what it was like or could imagine they knew what it was like they couldn't possibly until they were until you're in it yeah so finding a community finding a network finding a facebook group to have that support as a parent and making sure that you and your partner are on board is crucial. I will tell you, when Ava's diagnosis came, because we were looking for something, because the kid had pneumonia so often and upper respiratory infections to the point where it was like, this is just not normal, but we just got used to living this way. And when we got her diagnosis, I'll never forget, it was July. And I told my husband, like, this is what we have to do. And we had the biggest fight of our lives ever in the history that we have been together Hmm. that day. He resisted? He was completely, this cannot be wrong with her. They are wrong We are not sticking somebody else's plasma inside of our daughter. Mm. I mean, there was a lot of emotion. And me too. Like, you know, I stuck my head over the toilet and threw my guts up when I had to face, wait, what am I putting in her? But now on the other side of it, it's a huge blessing. I can't even, there's so many silver linings in it. I'm so blessed to the people that do donate plasma because it gives her life and that's a different thing than donating blood too completely you cannot donate plasma at a blood bank you have to donate plasma at a plasma center it's harvested differently Um, it actually looks like a what, what they do is they take your they separate your plasma and your blood you see it happen which is kind of cool and mm-hmm. then they stick your blood back in you and that specific, like a CSL plasma center or a specific plasma center is sourcing it to go to these companies and it goes through an eight-month process of cleaning and cleaning again and cleaning again and cleaning again to make sure it's safe 
because this is a human subcutaneous yeah. thing that I'm putting in my child. But the the power of plasma, and it's like liquid gold too. It, it looks like gold. Liquid gold. But it helps it and I've had I've had my own plasma like used for me for different things to help regenerate, to help grow, to help like mm -hmm. heal things in my body over the years. And I mean, it is, it's a wonderful thing and donating it. It's just like donating blood. People need to have plasma. So everybody who's listening, if you're feeling a certain way, then look it up and I, I guess we can post some links too totally. to find your local plasma center to donate. And you get paid to donate plasma. You get oh. paid good money. You can make like 600 bucks a month. Really? Yep. Wow. Cool? I know more people should donate. Like I had no idea. College kids? Yeah. College kids. This is That's a great That's like a part-time job. And you're giving, you're serving humanity at the same time. Okay. Like, That's a win-win. That's a win-win. Yeah. You just have to go through, uh, you have to make sure you check with your doctor that you don't have anything underlying that doesn't align with what they need. And you go through a screening process that's a little lengthy, but then you can walk in and out of there twice a week and donate plasma and get a little debit card, save your Christmas money on, and you're helping, you're, you're, you're giving life to not just Ava. Plasma is used for a lot of different things. Yes, they help. it helps a lot of people in a lot of different ways, and that's just magical, too, that other people can help. And I, would, I can't because of I my know. situation, but yeah. I would. Um, if I could, nobody, I always say nobody wants my blood or my organs or anything. I'm not, I'm not on the like, yeah, like I, w I would like to have more of that now, but, um, my husband makes up for it in spades. He's got, he's got all the healthy stuff going on in him. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's a snippet of Ava's journey. And you have a website. I do. It's avasjourney.life and it will give you information on how to donate plasma, um, what it's like to have a primary immune deficiency disease and asthma and ants. And, you know, everybody is their own unique makeup. And if anyone's listening who has that, I mean, reach out, please. Because oh, yes. It Ask would just, questions. yes, please. Or having new, newly diagnosed or wondering if maybe this might be it. Yeah. It's really important. And, and with mast cell disease too. I mean, I love it when people reach out to me knowing that I have it and asking questions like, how do you eat? How do you navigate a restaurant? What do you do to go out? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you do, how do you go to the hospital? Like, how do you explain to an ER doc what's going on? I mean, these basic things that are really hard to learn when you have, a, you know, a not a common disease and not have like, and we say like, you know, having diabetes or heart disease or whatever, there's so many people around that can relate and that you can trade tips and yes. ideas. And I mean, it, it is hard and I'm not trying to say it's not, it's harder for me than for someone who has diabetes, but having support, makes it a little bit easier, makes it a little bit more, you know, you can get tips from someone else. You can get ideas from someone else. And that really does make that journey that is difficult a little easier to bear. Yeah, it gives you some some ease. There's some, there's some sense of ease when 
someone can relate with you that's on a medical journey. Yeah. So even if you're not on either of our medical journeys, if you're on a medical journey, reach out. You know, advocacy, I think, is something that is very important to understand, to be able to speak for yourself, to be able to share with someone else in case you can't speak for yourself. It's important to know all the, you know, top fives. This, this, this. She's allergic to this. She can't have this. She, but, you know. Yeah, and advocating, too. Because you might not look sick. I might not look sick. Ava might not look sick or might not look like have a problem and and be judged by that and not get the help, not get taken seriously and not get what we need in order to live our healthiest and longest lives. And we have to advocate for ourselves and really dig in and say, no, that's not it. I'm, you know, there's something else going on. Yes. And mamas, if you have a friend who's going through it, whether her herself is dealing with a diagnosis or she has her child or her partner, reach out to them. Because there's nothing sweeter than getting that, like, hey, how's how's Ava today? How's IgG been going? You know, when I get those messages just for check-in, like, how are you? And I'm just... I, I literally don't even know what to do. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, someone's asking about me. Someone's thinking about you. And that that makes me happy. And being happy helps. It helps. Mm-hmm. You know, feeling feeling that kindness does help so much. It's almost like when, when someone passes yeah. and everyone's, you know, hurtling around that person for so long and then – the funeral's over, mm-hmm. and then people start going back to their lives. And then there's silence for... There's silence. It's like the same way, but living it. Yeah. And those people who come back in, it's just... It, you you don't understand until you're in this club that, you know, we don't want to be in how, how humbling it is and how good it feels just to have that, hey, how her infusion's been going? Hey, does she need an infusion, buddy? She always needs an infusion, buddy. <laughs> it takes the the mental. It's distraction. It's... Oh yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I completely can relate. You know, um, the more I'm distracted when someone's trying to, t- I'm terrible stick. So like, I last year they did draw blood for some reason, and it took twenty times, and it was four different oh my people. Gosh, it was the same way. And it, and I always say like, tell me a story. So. It helps for me to relax, mm-hmm. especially after That's like 18 idea. sticks to like to relax. You know, I can warm up my my arm. You can try my hands, try my feet, try my whatever. Do your veins collapse? Yeah. That's Ava too. Yeah. So I have small veins. They wiggle. Mm-hmm. I have thick skin. So once they get in the skin, then they the have to veins poke around. Oh, I know. Dig it's around. Awful. I hate watching it. And I it's imagine. just it's and that's been my whole life. That's happened. I once walked out of the hospital when I was like 11 years old with my mom <laughs> and it took it took the nurse like four or five tries and she finally got it. Always have to use a butterfly needle for like an infant on me. Mm-hmm. And she finally got it. She got the blood. As we were walking out of the hospital, my arm was grow- like growing in size. So I was bleeding internally from 
you know, them digging around in my vein. And my arm was like twice the size of what it should be. And I was like 11. And I'm like, Mom, this hurts. Like, um, should we do something about it? As you're walking in the hospital. And she goes, ah, just put your hand over your head. You'll be fine. And I was like, I was walked around the rest of the day with my hand over my head. But she had had enough <laughs> with the hospital. Like, yeah. the, they were just like, it was just such a hard experience. And yeah. she wanted to get all the way away from those people. Yeah. And it hurt, and my arm then turned colors for like the rest of the year, that different, is like because it was stained on the inside. Yeah, and that was that was something. But it's like, you know, you just have to kind of roll with what yeah. you're given and you try do. your best. Yep, and, and you make a life out of it. You do. It becomes a norm. And you do have to tell people that are in your life because when those things happen, yeah. if 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 you have a friend who a new friend who's never experienced this weird stuff mm -hmm. and they see one of them, the weird things pop up. It's alarming. And, mm -hmm. and I recognize that. So it's important to give information and share and say, I do have an EpiPen in my purse. Yeah. If something happens, I'm cool. Um, and I know what to do. I have all the stuff. Just, like, let me roll with it. Even my husband, he gets on high alert when I have a thing going on. And and I'm like, in a, in a half hour, if these things didn't work, then, yes, we need to go to the emergency room. And sometimes I can barely talk and sometimes whatever. But he wants to act immediately. And I try to let the pro like trust my process and trust that I can now know what I'm doing and know when I can go when I need to go to get help and when it's okay to just do what I'm doing at home and that being a sick person and having a sick person in your family and being a caregiver is you do kind of have to trust that sick person's like what they're what they think is About the best thing yeah, yeah. And not overreact because that's right. stressful. Totally. To witness, to witness that other external stress when you're dealing internally with life-threatening stress. It's just too much. So, um, so yeah, that would be that would be my one of my big takeaways from today's show. What else do we want to? What's another big? What's the big thing here? Oh. There's so many big you know, things. Momming is hard. And when your kid is even sick, has a sinus infection, is coughing, you know, everything going around this pandemic, your vibes, your frequency level can kind of get freaked out sometimes. We just had a huge shift in medicine with Ava this week, which means she needs more infusion sites. She needs more uh, grams. It shifted my vibes. And I had to make sure that, my husband and I had the conversation. I got my cries out. I, you know, ran around the block, did whatever I needed to do before presenting this information to Ava mm -hmm. because she feeds off of my vibes as much as your issue that you had this morning. Stop breathing. If your son was in the car, he would have seen that and, and fell. And now you've had the day to kind of, Gather yourself, figure it out, and then you can explain it to him differently than if... Because he doesn't even know it happened. Right. That, you know, he wasn't even there for it. And of all the people in my life, he's probably... I have to say, he's so 
logical and he's so calm. Understanding. And understanding. Yeah, and sweet. that he he would have handled it better than his father. Well, you pulled some statistics earlier in a podcast we did about how our cells oh, they, yeah. that how our kids leave some of their cells behind. And we can truly, you know how you say you feel what your kid feels? I do. I think it's both ways because they pull our, you know, they came from, he came from you. So I'm sure he can feel that of you. So that understanding yeah. is more, he get he gets it more. Yeah. Because it's you. Yeah. And he's seen all the stuff, good, bad, and whatever, but he's witnessed the whole thing. So, yes, he's, he's in, he, yeah, his father has a much harder time dealing with it. But that's for another show. Definitely. So This was a long one, mamas. But yeah. this is definitely a... We have ebbs and flows. And it's really nice to know you have a community like Harvesting You to come back to. And, you know, just kind of hunker down and listen for different advice and know that you're not alone. No, you're not alone and we're here for you. So reach out if you have anything that you want to share with us or connect with us over any kind of situation that's going on that is just weighing on you. Or a question or something you want us to speak to. If we walked it, we'll, we'll talk about it. We will. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Well, I think that's the end of this episode. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We would love to hear from you and support your harvesting mission in your personal life. Share your thoughts, questions, ideas with us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Harvesting You or visit our website, HarvestingYou.com. Until next time, let's put inspiration into intentional action and keep harvesting you. Are you looking for a new career? Would you like to take control of your time and also your income? Check us out at CardwellLife.com. That is www.C-A-R-D-W-E-L-L-L-I-F-E.com. Inquire today. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.